The future will be great, but today is just as incredible. Meet Nissan's most advanced lineup. If you cannot get enough adrenaline in your life, there's the all-new 400-horsepower <laughs> Nissan Z. Vroom, vroom. Or, for your off-road adventures, check out the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. If you're more of a spontaneous road trip type of person... Hop in the Pathfinder and find some paths. That's right. And for something more uh, electric, there is the stylish so, Nissan Aria. Let's enjoy the ride. 2023 Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability this spring for the 23Z and this fall for the 23 Aria. Coming at you live, 100% humidity in New York City. It's hot as hell. Uh mm. The fucking Chrisleys are going to jail. Um, I, I saw a guy. I saw a guy get into the shower at Barry's with a mask on. Things are fucking crazy, man. Okay, you gotta one at a time. Because yesterday when we were texting, because uh, we we were gonna have a guest on today's episode, they had to uh, uh, postpone due to some personal matters. Everyone's fine. Don't worry about that. But you you like did a tweet about like three things. And I was like, well, we don't even need a guess. I can just talk about these three things. And you just did it to me again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've just got bars, no, I mean, baby. It's, it's good, but it, it was like, what, I forgot. What were? Do you remember what the three things were? that uh, The that three you, things. Well, the three things were the New York Times discovering um, roommates <laughs> and, then, yes. and then talking about uh, the caviar bumps, which I would prefer to never hear that again. Um, but I'm more focused on this guy I saw. Okay, let's do let's do the mask first because that is really good. He he left he left the Barry's class drenched in sweat like the rest of us. We're in the locker room. I see him stripped down to his skivvies. Then he has he's one of those guys who has the tiny little man bun that like is barely held together by the the rubber band. Mm-hmm. He dramatically he dramatically unfurls his little poof of hair on top of his head, <laughs> takes the rubber band out, leaves the mask on, steps into the shower. Okay. Hog out, hog dangling. Okay, so mask on. So butt ass naked pull up to the pull up to the hotel room wearing nothing but an N95. <laughs> Quick question for you, Jason. Get ready to take this dick. Think about this. Think about this. Have you ever been completely nude and had a mask on? That is insane. Have I ever been completely nude but wearing a mask? Canadian uh, customs did kind of put me through a little bit of that, but not, <laughs> but not, not, not electively. I've never done it electively. So this guy, yeah, and I was just thinking to myself, like, is this a situation like me where sometimes I would get into the shower with glasses on because uh, I'd forget mm-hmm. that, that I have them on? Or was this guy taking it so seriously three years on that he's like, you know what? <sighs> my hair is coming down. My hog is coming out. My mask is staying on. You just presented a scenario that I didn't even consider. And it is real because sometimes, yeah, for especially sure. when you're in the berry zone or any type of workout zone, you look at the clock. You're like, oh, fuck, I'm running late on time. You know, this guy's been wearing a mask in berries in the block you know so if you're wearing a mask in berries electively in in summer of 2022 you're a freak first of all and second of all i feel like that means you you could be the kind of person who forgot yeah it goes it it really is a 50 50 of of it going either way At, at that point if you if you feel the need to wear a mask in the shower just uh 
shower at your house? Like if it's really that big yeah. of a deal, if you're really that much of a germaphobe or, or whatever? You're going to take the mask off once the water hits your face, I'm going to guess. And, you know. We don't know that. Maybe not. What if he kept it on? <laughs> what if he kept it on the whole shower? Like gets out and dries <laughs> off and just keeps. That's that's a cool idea. He rings his rings his mask out like a wet rag. So right before we, we started recording, I got a text message from a friend of the show and uh, future husband. Uh, Jeff Hendrickson, he was like, bro, we got to talk. And I'm like, oh, shit, what did I do? And he's like, about Chris Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, he like he like dragged it out over like three text messages, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I was like, damn, did I do something to Jeff? What did I do? Did I fuck something up? Hey, bro, we really got to talk. I'm like, damn. Uh, and, and I was like, yeah, bro, they're doing 30 years. And he was like, you know what? We knew this day would come. You know, and we did because we knew my favorite family, uh, Atlanta's own uh, closeted hero, Chris Chrisley. Did you know this day would come? What did you, I mean, how did you know? We knew this day would come because there's no, I watched, I've watched countless hours of this program and I've never seen how he makes money to afford this lavish lifestyle that he's living. Sure. But that's every show on Bravo, you know? But you know how, you know how he got popped though is because his download dick piece fucking turned him in. No way. That's right. That's right. He, like everyone in the world kind of knew he was to celebrate to celebrate pride (laughs) to celebrate pride his little down low little thang Mm -hmm. thang Mm -hmm. took went to the feds and said chrisley been skimming he ain't been paying uncle sam and now chrisley's doing a cool 30 and his wife's doing a cool 30 and he's probably happy they're in different prisons worth it (laughs) (laughs) i want to know what you got to do because there's a lot of people who Mm-hmm. A little tax evasion, a little you know, fudge in the books, a little this, little that. I, and it's usually like, hey, you got to kind of pay a little thing. Maybe you go on probation if it goes bad, or you know, mm-hmm. you got to do a little George Carlin or or a Wesley Snipes thing, pay it off kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You don't really hear about people getting thirty years. And this is a guy, you know, who's what in his fifties, mid fifties. Yeah, he's probably he's probably in his fifties. He I looks twenty seven because the plastic surgery, but he's probably you know, <laughs> yeah, he looks- he'll be he'll be he'll like maybe die in jail. Yeah, he'll, because I mean- of because of tax evasion, which is. An insane thought. There's some wire frauds, you know. I, who knows? You know, mm. there's some. Who the, I'm sure the. I'm sure the. Oh yeah, he was like he was like fudging bank records, which is like a federal offense. Yeah, yeah. I think he. I think he really messed up bad, you know. But it's it's sad to see because it's a great program. Hopefully, one of the fine networks does pick it up for syndication. He's able to kind of pay off some of his bills with those checks, and and you know, uh, you know, that, that's what I'm hoping at least. Maybe that was his business strategy. Is like I'll just I'll just kind of like lie about my income. <laughs> Get famous, and then eventually I'll be able to make enough money to pay it all off. But I mean, there's always a rat, isn't there? If you're if you're gonna fuck guys on the down low, you got to take care of them. Yeah, and I I mean that that's what happened. Maybe his maybe the rent check for his side piece got it bounced. You know what I mean? His uh, his Dodge Charger payment didn't go through. <laughs> and- <laughs> they said uh, they came to repo the charger and he was like oh no not this time the guy, nah. the guy who came to uh, get a quote on redoing my closet said that the <laughs> said that the mastercard was declined on the on the deposit it's a funny thing to happen during pride because i also i got this email that i tweeted about um from i believe it's uber eats and it says that the subject was eat with pride bottom friendly menu with a peach emoji was the subject line of this email. Bottom friendly menu. <laughs> yes. Which and, and then all the suggestions a- Andrews pointed out were sushi. I mean, I always <laughs> eat sushi when I plan to you know, 
Take it. Yeah. Have intercourse after a meal. One of Jason's, you know, least favorite things to do. You have to have a nice, a nice sushi meal. A light. Wait, if, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna munch before I munch, <laughs> that'd be sushi. Not one from the, not from, not one from the twisted sugarfish family either. That'll, that'll leave you messy down there in the peach emoji. It's got to be clean and traditional. Okay. None of that fake wasabi shit. So you don't want to hit... You're not hitting Nobu. You're Call hitting, that a ring stinger. You're hitting some place in the valley in a strip mall that's like known for its traditionalness. Usually my partner will like it when it's a cucumber wrap. I want to know. Yeah, I just... I think... Just keeps things The question little... I'm asking Jason is what do you eat before you <laughs> bottom? So if you could just be really clear with me of what you eat before you bottom. It is sushi. <laughs> and I said specifically if we can do the the cucumber skin wrap instead of rice. Okay. That is, that is bonus points. Okay. So I'll be able to last three to four minutes longer usually in those situations. <laughs> okay. And, you know, and also, you know... Three to four hours beforehand, if you could crack a Kenyu fork and kind of get that <laughs> okay. in your system. Okay, so so for pride, we'll get a nice smooth landing. So for pride, we're giving a we're giving TJ's bottoming tips away, and one is <laughs> get the wrap and cucumber and a Kenyu forks four hours, approximately four hours before you're going to do the deed. Can you believe this is a free podcast, Chris? This is honestly paywalled content, and I can't believe we give away for free, but that's the kind of guys we are over here at How Long Gone. Mm-hmm. We, do have a, we do have a guest today, but I, I just wanted to make sure, Jason, are you, you know, just before we introduce him, are you ready for to come to New York to tackle the Tribeca Film Festival on Sunday? Are you feeling prepped? I'm actually going to go to Basel. I'll be off to Switzerland tomorrow instead. Oh. Our new guest inspired me to change our plans, so you will have to do How Long Gone Live okay uh, solo okay i mean look i could probably i could bill burrett i could white knuckle bill burrett if i have to mm-hmm. i i didn't know you could kind of afford a flight from la to to switzerland i'll just be kind of going in for some of the fares <laughs> and just things like that i have a few lunches set up our guest today uh is alexander shulin uh he runs a gallery uh in tribeca called lomex um and it is uh, popping. <laughs> he he shows he shows art on a third floor, which is ballsy, I would say. <laughs> um, and it does. They do have an elevator, if you were wondering, so you don't kind of have to take you. You don't have to. You don't have to drag your tabby boots up the stairs. You can just kind of get in and push three. I was more concerned of some of the, the larger format sculptures, not, not just like walk, walking no. your telfar bag up the stairs. No, that's something that's something to be concerned about, Jason. Good thoughts. So let's let's find out what it's like to run a hot gallery downtown, what the parties are like, uh, how much you got to tip the doorman for all that elevator service. Alex, I, you know, I, I, do you have a doorman at home and not at the gallery? Or are you living? No, in- neither. You're a doorman. No, no, free. Door, no doorman. No doorman at the moment. It's actually a door person. How do you get your essence packages? Um, I miss a lot of them, but when when they show up, you know, it's like I order three or four, and then I get one. So that's a scenario. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. So what you do is you order as many packages as you can, and I hope you get a few, and you just kind of call it a, call it even. After yeah, the that. other ones, I just lose it. You know, so I'm an art dealer. I have a lot of money, so it's fine. Whatever happens. <laughs> Yeah, you're used to eating costs for the name of art. You know, I can write it off. It's business expense, sole proprietor business. So you know, whatever happens, it's fine. You just write everything off. No, that's what that's what well, we were just talking about tax evasion. Actually, um, are you familiar with? Speaking of running an art gallery, we were just talking about tax evasion. <laughs> we we're talking. About, we we're talking about hiding money in like kind of. Uh, but no, have you heard of? Um, Chris Lee knows best. Are you familiar with that reality show? I, I'm not. I'm not sorry. That's a bold faced lie. He knows what it is. Uh, yeah, you can pretend. <laughs> okay, so it's a show about a married Southern man and his wife, and they have a family, and he's clearly, clearly gay, and they never talk about it. But it's an it's like a long standing reality show. Obviously, hijinks ensues, etc. He just got 
popped for tax evasion and wire fraud. They're saying he's going to do 30 years because his his down low boyfriend called the feds on him. And uh, we'd like a statement from you, Alexander, about that. <laughs> do you think your down low boyfriend would call the feds on you or do you think you guys are cool? I mean, as long as I keep sending the wires on time, I think we're cool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You get it, bro. See, Alexander that's exactly gets the it. Answer we Alexander were looking for, gets it, and that's exactly what Jason said. You can't stop the. You can't stop payment on the check if you if you're doing. No, then you're in trouble. Yeah, if you're if you're doing dirt, you can't do that. Yeah, Alex, you're not doing any dirt though. I feel like you you, you keep the gallery nose clean, right? I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I mean, the business is a dirty business, but I'm trying to keep it clean over here. <laughs> what are some of the What are the, some of the dirty parts about the business? Because Chris is a, is a more of an expert in the in the New York art world. He wouldn't say that himself, but. Especially compared to me, I'm I'm just a fan of uh, street art. <laughs> <laughs> Jason's Jason. We talk about this a lot. He doesn't he doesn't want to get robbed, so he doesn't speak of it. But he does have a a nice kind of um port side storage locker full of original Shepherd fairies. He's kind of oh, cool. collected over over the years. Yeah, I have to kind of move them around in different locations because people kind of get start sniffing around. What are those little action figures called that like they make cause that kind of stuff? You have, you have a big collection of those. No, well that one is in my foyer, of course. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. what's the point? He, but he keeps his he keeps his kind fun- of stuff like that. Yeah, he keeps his Funko Pops like above <laughs> the podcasting station. But the no the cause dolls are are prominently displayed. He likes the six footers, kind of like his bong. Oh, word, word. Yeah, the six. Six-footer and this and the six-footer is you know a real king who can afford to kind of drill a hole in them to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Try doing that with one of your little uh, bored apes, you know. Yeah, you, you can't fuck those yeah, you things. Can't, you can't fuck your NFTs, and that's the number one problem. You ever done some moon rocks and fucked a cause doll? <laughs> Didn't think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the 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 art business is notoriously dirty. I've read some books about it, but the dirty part is kind of what gets me going did that attract you to it <laughs> or or is is that just part of the deal i've been in the business i mean in my own with my own gallery for about seven years now i didn't know how dirty it was until about three or four years ago when i started <laughs> to really get in the cut you know with yeah, yeah. Uh, but but i think that its dirtiness is is a more complicated and and somewhat cleverer than people realize. Yeah. Insofar as a lot of people buy art with the intention of donating it later in life to get a multi-pronged tax write-off, mm-hmm. which is something that people don't realize that the that art doesn't appreciate in a way like stock where it's easily legible. Mm-hmm. So you can invest money and then basically get massive tax write-offs later in life or for your kids. You can you can sort of have your friends invent how much money you're going to write off. In some capacity. I mean, when you give it to a museum or something like this. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, in the current art market, I don't know if you've read much about this, but people are buying things and selling them in a matter of weeks at the moment. It's really... They're treating it fully as like a place to to buy and sell. Yeah. Like they're, they're, there's absolutely no appreciation for the work itself. I mean, they're, I mean they're, it just depends on what sectors of the market you're in at the moment you know but Mm -hmm. but i think like if you look at what's been going on in the economy in general and all the kind of of like ridiculous bullshit like with nfts this kind of stuff that's been going on that kind of stuff is happening in the art market too where you're seeing young people's work who barely have had a show going up 10 times in value in the matter of four or five months and ending up at auction but that's that hasn't happened in the art world in this way 
for quite some time, for like maybe 10 years. I mean, I'm sure people that listen to the show have some light understanding of this, but the, the secondary market is is where all the action is in some ways, as far as monetarily. I mean, if you if you want to make very large returns, yes. Yeah, well, I, I do. I do I'm, I'm kind of a money guy, Alex, so I am looking <laughs> I am looking at returns. Thank you for noticing that. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't work in that in that world very much. So I basically just deal with the artists that I'm I'm showing and then trying to protect them from this kind of thing for the most part, to be honest. We're at odds with each other, of course. Right, uh, as but, predators. Yeah, I'm a, I, that makes <laughs> that makes for a great podcast. But I think that the um, well, I you know this it, it I, our our experience here on how long gone is a little more music right. based, and I think there's some obviously some similarities and through lines to 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 how the businesses work. Um, and I I just uh, I think is is the the discovering the artist and then protecting them from getting poached is how much of that is, is your life or is the hope that I put you on, you're going to be loyal until it doesn't make sense anymore approach. You know what I mean? I mean, I would say that it's one of the things that keeps me up at night is, (laughs) is like uh, trying to keep the community around me happy with me and them and everyone to be growing at the same pace, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, I've had, other galleries make incursions into the programs that I've, that I've built in positive ways and negative ways in my experience, you know, and that's something that is a really challenging thing for a dealer and a place where honestly the, the interests of a dealer and an artist don't always match, which is a really complicated and sure. sort of edgy side of the business in some capacity. No, no, sure. But I just, I, I think that that's the whole, that's the whole thing that's so interesting to me is that it's, it's, it's like, people just <clears throat> decide they want to move on yeah. you know and there's not there's not much you can do and the you know i'm sure there are people at every you know it's like anything else there's levels to it right so there's always somebody with more bread that can offer a more a different experience if you think you're ready for that and so there so there aren't really any contracts or yeah. things like that set in place it's all just sort of good faith handshake deals and if I if we make some money together, hopefully we can keep doing it again. And then the argument that I make for it is like from context, you know. So I'm like, oh, we did this together, and we're building an aesthetic together. The gallery is good, and the other artists are providing good context. So that's a motive for. I've had pe- people been offered exhibitions with galleries much wealthier and and mm-hmm. up the food chain, so to speak, than mine. But they will say no because they want to keep the environment and the collecting base of their you know of their work. In, in 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 like the, they like the aesthetics of that, but in the same, but there are no contracts generally. Mm-hmm. If someone gives you a contract in the art world, there's something weird going on. Mm-hmm. If it's from a gallery to an artist, so it's not like the music industry. In music, in my experience, though, there's not. I mean, I as a manager, I never had a contract. I think that like we we don't have a contract with our booking agent. I think you have a contract with the label specifically, but everybody else is kind of a little bit of a good faith thing. But mm-hmm. you know what what the beauty of a lot of businesses is, is the sunset clause. That's the be- that's the best part where you you know you make money for a certain amount of time after the relationship ends with stuff that you set up. Which mm. if that was in if that was introduced to the art market, we would have a big problem on our hands. <laughs> yeah, people are trying to do that, but it's not going to happen. Are they really? There like, yeah, there, well there have been like um there are a lot of companies that are trying to use digital technology to build in resale royalty rights into art sales. But I, I think the ideas are enforceable and, and impossible, but it's just like, that's the thing that people have been talking about a lot. Again, once you see the the whole NFT blockchain shit and like once this sells and the person automatically gets their percentage, 
that's got to seem enticing to somebody who's making physical art, right? It is. I just, I mean, I, I, people have approached me with this idea. And but how do you police it? How do you organize yeah. it? And it's also deeply lame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I just think that we, you know, we unfortunately uh, hate NFTs and, and, and so. crypto. And I don't... Um, I feel like the pressure, I'm sure there was a period where there was a lot of pressure on you, or at least there was a lot of discussion around throwing your hat into the ring and you resisted. Yeah. I mean, people ask me insanely stupid questions about NFTs constantly <laughs> in the gallery and I just, I can't, you know, you mean like a, you mean like a, 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 a someone walks in and they're asking. Yeah. Really? Well, I need to find, I need to find this one email. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even say NFTs correctly. They're like, can you tell me about TFMs and what it could be for the gallery? I'm just like, I'm not answering. <laughs> 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 you tell me what TFNs can do for me. NTS. Oh, that's good. Antiques that's good. collector group that I'm a member of it asking me to investigate the possibility of antique NTSs. Might you know a firm that could create NTSs that I could connect with on this potential project? This is like the kind of stuff that I've been getting. Nonstop. Jesus Christ, man. So, yeah, I, I mean, have a drink every time anybody asks me that. And, and this is a guy who runs a very cool gallery in new york city this is not like a newport beach no <laughs> yeah yeah this isn't glass art <laughs> my my point is imagine what an, a, a lame gallerist has to hear all the time you know <laughs> so alex so we were talking about you know kind of the the weird maybe not so much the dirty side of it but how prices for things can just be whatever they are you know yeah which is which is scary and exciting so when you're working with an artist for one of your gallery shows, what is what is your style of of price dance? I mean, it, it's funny. Like, there's an, a, a perception that in the art world you can just make up any price, which you definitely sort of can. Where I've I've definitely had. <laughs> of course, I mean, yeah, you you really can. <laughs> but but there are some metrics that people use, which is like their peers basically to figure out how things are priced, right? And then there are there are like sort of nebulous equations that people use relative to size, which all, I also thought was kind of perverted because art isn't really like a grocery store. You mean si- size of the size of the actual works itself, yeah. like work itself. Yeah. Okay. And, and people use that kind of metric a little bit, which is a little galleries will have a sort of what they would say is like their starter price yeah, yeah. You know, for an artwork. Yeah. And then you scale it according to how big or small the work is. And then there are these kind of like vague metrics of what other shows that people are in. If they're in museums, who owns it? How much people want it? That will affect the price. Yeah, so it's just a, it's just a, a, a kind of a combo of all these different factors, but it's a little it's it's not a science; it's an art. No pun intended. No, you kind of jumble it all up and then just sort of pull it out of your ass in comparison to all these things. But it's sort of it is like there is some reason to it, even if it's sort of intuitive in some. Capacity. Yeah, but I think that that's the whole thing about being an expert. You know what I mean? Or at least like yeah. deeply understanding what's going on is that it's like you you have to have something to base it on, even though it's a little bit up in the air. You know? Or or I've had I've had people. It's funny. I I, I was selling a painting a couple of months ago, and I had two people come in and be like, "Dude, this is insanely low." And then someone else would be like, that price is ridiculous. <laughs> so there's not like, <laughs> there's not really. Uh, that kind of proves our point then, that it's a little bit of like, yeah. yeah, there's some data that goes into this, but also like it's a little bit of a coin flip. Yeah. I mean, the thing, that, the, the place that you really see the issue is when people start making stuff too expensive, because that's, that's when you get artists become endangered and the other galleries become endangered. Like so a gallery might join in on the market of a young artist and the market's really hot. So they know they can basically get whatever they want for it. So they make it crazy expensive and maybe it works for one show, but then afterwards 
you can't really lower prices. It's seen as like really unacceptable to do no, that. No, lowering prices is, yeah, I mean, that's like. So you can end not, someone's career, you know, with a company. like very quickly. Like as soon as they're hot, it's over. Well, yeah, I mean, you can, they, you know, there's cases where some young artist has a show, the paintings are 20 grand. They go to a really insane gallery, they're $80,000, and then they can't lower them afterwards if mm, the market passes. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. Then the artist has to go do something else. Yeah, they have to, yeah, yeah they, yeah, they got to start cleaning your floors. <laughs> so what's the what's the personal collection looking like? You know, because I, I read somewhere that there there's, who, who said this? I think it was in How to Spend It. Someone was giving the advice that, like, you know, you should either receive or purchase, you know, a piece from every show that you do. Yeah. I mean, I unfortunately haven't really been able to to do that because I can't afford it, even though yeah. I think, but that's definitely true. Like that's what people say is like the IRA for a art dealer is you buy your mm-hmm. own artist's work. The presumption there is also that they're going to leave you and then you're going to sell it when it's worth a lot of money later on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things has to have to happen for that to work out. Yeah. And it's expensive, you know, even if it's 50% off, it's expensive to do that. So I always, I ran the, uh, most of, for most of my time, I ran my gallery alone. Now I have staff, but I was always at pretty thin margin. So I couldn't really afford to do that, which is unfortunate. But now I, I have been doing a little bit. Big Daddy's staffed up. So what are we talking about? How many gallery girls we got in there? I just have two people working with me now. Gallery people, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Have you I ever apologize. considered stealing any of your artist's work <laughs> without them seeing it? <laughs> <laughs> There's other ways to kind of obtain the work. A little you know, yeah. Picasso doodle on a napkin after a while, you know? I have four Cube Smart storage units on Exterior Street. And if you guys want to steal some stuff, it would help me out. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, I, I want the rest of this podcast to be us plotting crimes where we all make money and insurance pays for it. I'm big into because it's a, you know, in New York, it's a classic. It's, well, everywhere i guess you know it's a restaurant scam you know what i mean oh we had a kitchen fire oops mm. and now you know now we we received a, a substantial sum of money we're able to open a new location little italian lightning <laughs> yeah exactly i'm sure that could happen in the art world you know what i mean oh oh no our our hamptons location burned down what are we going to do how much were your uh were your art pieces worth yeah as long as it's not classed <laughs> as an act of god we're good so we won't we don't do active we, we don't be, we don't believe in god on how long <laughs> so that's kind of impossible that that would be literally impossible i know i know <laughs> that you obviously started an art gallery because you love art yourself but it is a business and you have to become a business person sure to run that gallery and something i was having a little bit of a, a stoner thought yesterday about uh-oh <laughs> well chris chris is uh is interested or fascinated by people who have let's say generational wealth you know I, mean? <laughs> I am i am also interested in those people for, for right 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 and and obviously <laughs> i bet you, you are i bet you, you are as a person who runs an art gallery in new york city it's something that you could be potential i mean it's not an obsession but you kind of have to have a little bit of a spidey sense um and it was it was having me think of roundabout ways or questions to wait you know to figure out if somebody has some general generational wealth behind them and one that i've heard chris use before that i just kind of noticed thanks to thc was <laughs> like if you're if you're talking to somebody and you're like oh you guys are like how long on you guys like tennis and stuff like that uh you know i play tennis too and then chris will be like oh did you grow up playing tennis mm-hmm. 
That's right. And that's, you know, questions like that where, <laughs> because you can tell, but when they answer that question, there's a little bit of a sigh or like a little bit of uncomfortable, like, yeah. Horseback riding, I think is better than tennis for this. Horseback riding. Yeah, yeah horseback right. right. Okay, so that, I wanted to ask you guys, two, two experts in the field, what are some <laughs> other examples of that? So horseback riding. Alex, horseback riding is good. That's also- And then they say, we have a few. How many horses do you have? <laughs> then you're in business. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> 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 yeah that's good yeah, I like yeah. That. When you, yeah when how many horses do you have and then as soon as they say that number is you know there's 11 or, that's when you just hear the champagne in the back pop there's no details needed i think that that's also um you know that's 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 a good one i, I i'm sure i when i found out when i was much younger what family office meant yes exactly that, al- oh. that also <laughs> please explain to us pores guys uh family office means that there's a significant amount of wealth that's being managed by a a group that is paid for by the family and they work internally okay is that that's a that's a fair description right alex family office is like art dealers that's your viagra hard as a rock when you hear family office <laughs> yeah then i'm like i'm getting paid so shit's gonna work out in this scenario <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's not it's it's like it just means i heard i literally heard a guy walking down the street today on his uh apple airpod pros he he no exaggeration had the wall street journal under his arm mm-hmm. and i heard him utter it's a 30 person family office and i almost broke my neck turning around I'm like 30 <laughs> fucking people 30 people how much money are you fucking managing you're willing to risk it all yeah i mean that's a that's a significant amount of money but but horses family office mm-hmm. i mean there's there's many other tennis is a good one though i jason well, i well not I not even... so much the not, not not the do you play but it's a question that i've heard at, you know asked to me of like oh did you grow up playing or did you just pick it up and then if i say oh i just started playing you know in my adult life they kind of do a little like Huh. Please. Huh. Oh, that's, that's cute. Oh, okay, 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 good for you. Yeah, good for you. You play any tennis or golf? What are you doing over there, Alex? Uh, at, I'm at the moment playing no sports. Unfortunately, no exercise happening over here. Are you, you're not. You're not an exerciser at all. I, I, I've gone through periods, but at the moment, I've been too stressed out, so I'm not. I'm not exercising. <laughs> no better time to exercise, Alexander. Yeah, What's going I'm on? Maybe this summer. Mean, maybe was, I run in the summer. I'll, okay. I'll okay. Why? Why is the stress level so high right now, Shulin? Come on. The art market has had a really relentless schedule since COVID. People are trying to make as much money and do as many shows as possible. The pressure is Mm. is insane. You're saying you're saying since we've returned to being able to go to to openings and and fairs and shit, the the market has returned at a at a serious clip. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. Yeah, zero to six. And also the travel schedule is insane. I mean, I'm actually sitting out on some of the stuff right now because i just did too many projects in new york yeah what's so what so what's number one for you as far as because you know i've been to a lot of these little fairs you know and to me it seems like a lot of guys in on running shoes and blazers yeah that's, but that's i about. i would i would love to hear kind of what what's number if i'm going to one i mean if i'm going to be savage about this just for the record almost all regional or provincial art fairs are scams. Okay. They are basically, um, damn, he's going savage mode. They are like, <laughs> they're like, they're, they're done for the vanity of the galleries for the most part. And, you know, unless the major art fairs are, are the places where people are really doing business, you know, the second and third tier accessories to those art fairs, if they're not in a major location are generally 
I don't know who knows. That yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to go. I'm not trying to get you. Look, I'm with you, Brian. Trying to go to a tent yeah. on the beach to look at somebody's fucking home paintings. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. and you know, I think that there is. You know, the other problem is if you're not going to the preview. You know what I mean? What's yeah, the, it's over. What's the point? And not not that I'm you know uh, in the market necessarily, but the preview is where, where all the action is. It's like ninety five percent in my experience in the first hour, and then it's done. So you're saying so this shit lasts three or four days? People are spending millions of dollars. They're flying from all over the world. Everything's sold in 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 the first hour of the preview. That's worth selling. The first hour is like what everyone's geared up for. You know what I mean? And then yeah. and I mean stuff will happen through the end of the first day, maybe the second day, but it's really first hour, first hour and a half. I mean, it was more intense before covid because then they didn't have timed entry and all this kind of stuff and it's straight oh. up it would be in like miami they would have everyone would run like a bts <laughs> show you're trying to get to the front like a black friday sale at best buy yeah yeah damn yeah. you're telling me that damn that's dark that all these fucking europeans are sprinting that's why they that's why I they mean, wear I the mean, shoes maybe not at a full pace but they're you know they're hobbling over there's, the there's they, they have so they have so much gout they're only able to hobble but they're gonna get there they're gonna get they're there. moving with a sense of urgency yeah, they're moving with a sense of urgency this this a hundredth basquiat is not going to sell itself yeah i mean i mean also before <laughs> This was in the era before, like all sales were being, I mean, not all sales, but a lot of sales were being done on PDFs. I think it was even more the case that it's like, you know, you, the, the gallerist is in their domain and there's everyone in there fighting around them for the access. Now it's different because the internet has changed a lot of the structures for this kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, if you're really copping, you, I, I text you, you send me the PDF and I tell you, yeah, I, and then you're, I want it. Yeah. You're, you're good. And you know what? Let's get into the nitty gritty here. Cause this is something I've actually wondered, uh, is the, mm. you know, if I'm buying something of note, that's, that's, you know, not let's say under a million. Okay. Let's say, let's right. say under a million. I'm a new collector. Boring. No, <laughs> I'm a new, I'm a new collector. My, my uncle has just died. <laughs> so, so, I say, Alex, I want this piece. You say, Chris, it's yours. When and how much money do I have to wire you to secure this piece and then eventually get it when the show closes? Okay, so that's a, so this is a, 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 something that a lot of people don't know about. That's a, a really big, complicated part of the art world is you don't have to send me any money. I don't like that for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that for me either, historically. <laughs> okay. So I so it's it's a fully going back to good faith. It's a fully good faith situation yeah i mean i would send you an invoice you send me your details then it's technically a legal document but it's it's not so much like the the independent contractors the world you send an invoice and you pray that it gets paid within 90 days and it, yeah and it, I, honestly in my experience it gets paid in 90 days if somebody is worried that someone else is going to buy it mm-hmm. and if it doesn't it can get paid i've had people pay me in a year but they have the work in their home or you still no no okay no, okay I keep it which also is also unfortunate because sometimes you have to you just store i have all this stuff that i you know store for people because they don't want to pick it up because it's some crazy shit yeah so you're so you're <laughs> you're eating costs on the storage <laughs> space for the large-scale uh you know sculptural installations that you're that exactly you're moving. sure of course <laughs> all that video work is taking up a lot of space in the storage locker and if something happens to <laughs> it while it's in your care then that's your fault and they can just not pay you yeah so it's win-win-win for them I haven't had that happen, but I don't even know what would happen in that state. Nightmare. Basically, you're living in a constant state of money being owed to you. Yeah. Okay. That's been my primary experience of my life since I've yeah, been. Yeah. So that that is a that is a, a point of stress for you. Then I would imagine that's the main source of stress for me in my life. We're all. I mean, basically, if you don't work for a major corporation, you're kind of constantly owed money. It's just at different scales. But I think that in this 
particular instance, it feels completely lawless, and there's no checks and balances. It's it's a little bit of like a hey, I sent you that thing, and you got to send me the money, right, bro? You know, it's not there's absolutely not, there's not anything more serious going on than that, which <laughs> does seem problematic. But again, like you said, if somebody wants something that bad because it's hot, then they're gonna pay you. Yeah. You know, so it's like it's a funny it's a funny thing to have to kind of hinge on. I mean, you there are cases where you send if you send someone an invoice and they don't pay you, you can sue them, but I, it's almost never done. I don't think it ever works either. Then then it, and it's you going up against somebody who can afford to buy a million dollar painting with their family office. his legal team <laughs> yeah, with their family yeah. office. the the family office's legal team versus your ass which is <laughs> not going to be so great uh i would also like to discuss just while we have you you know the the art the art of the opening you know what are the elements you know because we need a few celebrities obviously um we need a, a champagne what te- what temperature <laughs> is the charles shaw at i don't like it too warm i don't like it too cold <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so we gotta have the right champagne we gotta have of course you know uh, uh, the beautiful mix of upper east side rich guys hot chicks a few celebrities some art handlers i would say a sprinkling <laughs> a sprinkling of skateboarders because you are in tribeca of course downtown you know what is what is the ratio that works and what is the time time that works? You know what I mean? Like what is the best window? Is it 6 to 9? Is it 7 to 9? You know, what do we what what is what really works, you know, as far as making sales? When I started my gallery, it was in in like a four-floor walk-up in a little apartment. Yes. That period the opening was more like 8 to whenever okay sure <laughs> you strike me you strike me as an eight to whenever kind of guy which is why i like you <laughs> but now that i'm in tribeca and i have a space that you know is not saddled with tons of debt in the same way it's <laughs> six to nine okay you know okay tribeca tribeca is not a super late part of town no so i say six to eight and then i keep it open but then we go somewhere else but I never, I've almost never sold an artwork in an opening, which is an interesting thing. Really? In, in my experience, collectors don't come to them. No, it's only people that want free champagne and like want. It's a hangout, and I mean, yeah. What is the? What do you think the attraction is? Was it cheap? I mean, the big spaces. Or- it's not cheap anymore. I got my space for cheap because I negotiated right in the middle of COVID when everybody thought that the world was going to hell, and I used all the weird like Trump bucks to get, get the space. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was chill, Trump bucks. but now it's mad expensive. <laughs> um, I think it's because galleries collectors are not very creative. They don't want to walk. Very far. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's across the street, maybe they'll go in. I like <laughs> that. I like that. That's the reason. Oh, price. No, it doesn't matter. Spaces don't matter. I just got to be as close to other people as possible. Cause these, these Is whales yeah. got to shuffle across the street. You know? <laughs> I don't want to walk as far. They, they ain't taking the six uptown for me. You know what I mean? I mean, straight up, I would have people go to my old space cause it was a walk up and they would just ring the doorbell and they'd open the door and then they'd be like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Just close the door and never return. Yeah. Damn, bro. That's tough. Speaking of whales, do you ever, you know, if you have like a big fish on the line, going to buy something, spend some money at the gallery, have you ever kind of been put through the test of like a hard night of partying of like, let's prove. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Let's walk us through one. Obviously, Obviously, we don't need to name names if if you don't want to. But um. let's say which, which Cipriani did you start at? Okay. I'm going to give you, uh, I'm trying to sound if I'm going to tell this story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I had a client who I will keep nameless and I'll try to obscure some of the details of this who I met um, at an art fair. Again, I'm not going to okay. specify which one, who I got along with them 
really well. And we went out drinking. And at some point I realized that, you know, they were just starting to be really supportive of my project. (laughs) 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 Um, With the more drinks that they had, getting more and more enthusiastic about the ideas that I was proposing to them. Sure. And then the (laughs) night concluded with my not being allowed on the plane back to New York the next day. (laughs) You're saying you were too intoxicated and Delta said not tonight. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily intoxicated. I was just irate and really ready to get out of the art fair. And... (laughs) And there was a, a, a lot of people trying to exit at the same time, and I was not having it. I was like, I need to get out of here. I'm a dirty human being, and this has been terrible. Okay, <laughs> it's been okay. a lucrative but terrible experience for my soul. So you, were, you, were kept up, you were kept up all night, and then you went straight to the airport. I feel like you're – I don't want to impo- – I don't want to you know, guess, but I feel like you're a guy who stayed up all night and gone to the airport more than once. I mean, maybe, maybe not. And you're, and you're talking to you're talking to guys that have done that themselves. So we can. Sure. It, it takes one to know one. Yeah, yeah. This is a safe space, Alexander. I too have been not let on a Delta flight due to quote unquote a smell that was coming from me. Yeah, it's a humbling experience. That is a humbling experience. But the the feeling I've done that only a couple times. Even though I was, I mean, I partied to the point where I'm now sober. So that tells you enough. Yeah, but. I did that only a couple times, and for some reason, it just felt so dark to me that I like I could resist doing it. I, I only did it once or twice. I was like, I can't ever do this again. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, I just those, can't do it. Those years are mostly past me now, so that's that's a good thing. But the problem is when somebody's dangling a little carrot of cash. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a little easier. It's a little easier to keep it going. It's a little easier to shut. The cash is the big difference. I'm shutting Cipriani down. You know, and then we're going <laughs> to another spot. It's nothing for me. I've had to do poppers in an airplane terminal before, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds you guys sound like a couple of pussies right now. Is that but is that because you were you were being plied for bottoming or is that because you were talk, <laughs> you were talking money? It was a top promoter. This was very very early on in my career. It was my first art fair, so okay. I was, it was kind of fresh a hard, fish on the line. A, yeah. a hard orientation about some of the mechanics of the art world. <laughs> sure, right. sure, you, so you were you have quite a way with words. A hard orientation. You were hazed much. You were hazed like you were joining a, a fraternity at the University of Alabama. I, I yeah, yeah, I get it. It was just a little bit better dressed, a little bit nicer. And, and, and another point in my in the early stages of my career, I attempted to take a cab back to my apartment, and then was reminded by other people that I was actually in a different country. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. And they're like, you're you're not you're not in New York right now, man. You're in Switzerland. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I've never been. I've never been to pulling out your metro card. Yeah, yeah, I've never been to Switzerland. It sounds pretty great. Like, what are the? It seems like paradise. Am I wrong? Uh, I think you're pretty wrong. Okay, okay, but there's there's a lot. Wait, of, isn't isn't Basel coming up? It's next week. Soon? Yeah, it's next week. Right? Yeah. Are you going? You're not going. I'm not going this year, but I have gone for many years. But I'm not going this year. But our our uh, our friend, uh, another friend of ours, Brand, we were joking about the intro. She's in the watch world, so she just went there. Basically, it's one of those things. It's like my Australian friends. They they tell me it sucks there, and then they I see the pictures while they're there, and it looks like fucking paradise. So I just need to understand what's so bad about it. I mean, first off, everything has a, uh, you apply like three times the price of anything. Everything. Oh, okay. And it doesn't, you don't realize, you don't realize that you're spending that much money because it has this weird CHF thing attached to everything. So you think, oh, <laughs> you know, $25 for a drink, that's expensive, but that's not, 
that's you know that's yeah it could be worse <laughs> and then you look at the exchange okay rate. so so they're charging they're charging more than butter in its heyday for a vodka soda over there yeah yeah oh, okay well that's not that's not great. also there's nowhere to stay okay i had one year i went and i'm traumatized now with airbnbs i'm just i can't but fuck airbnb yes. we only stay in hotels yeah, fuck airbnb and but i i booked myself an airbnb <laughs> and then the day before the person canceled the reservation so <laughs> i was fucked and everybody, there's like no hotels and no Airbnbs during Basel if you don't book it once before in my experience. Mm-hmm. So I had to stay in the suburbs in a house that was shared with a family. <laughs> and the people, that, the artists and I had to sleep in the children's room with bunk beds. <laughs> and there was like the kids' toys everywhere. And, you know, this like four-year-old Swiss kid waking me up in the morning before I went to the art fair and I had to take a commuter train oh, an hour. Oh my God. And, and my, and my, our, our shared room was $800 a night. <laughs> okay. That's not great. I mean, is the food good? No. Okay. It's a lot of, it's I a mean, lot if of- you have, if you have infinite money, you can, you can have a passable European nebulous meal of like sure, cheese sure. and sausages. Sure. But if you, <laughs> But so if you have infinite money, the highest level you can achieve is passable. You can get like a a, a pretty good meal. Sure. I'm not, no, I'm not just talking about food. Yeah, I'm just talking about the entire experience. No, I mean if you stay at the Three Kings Hotel, it's fire. Right, you, know, right, you have right. a great experience. Okay. Of course, it's like anything else. If you're rich, it's great, and if you're not, it's just okay. That's like most <laughs> things in life. I think. Are you a foodie? I kind of am. I mean, it's weird. I grew up. This is a, my someone in my family used to write about food, so I grew up really like eating a lot of nice food. Now I will like eat, a like a critic or or like food, a cookbook, both kind of thing. Both, okay, okay. you know. But now I will just eat anything. Sure. And I, you know, I don't give a shit. But I, I like food. But I'm not. It's not something that bothers me. Bad food, I'm, I don't care really. So you're saying you maybe had too much too soon, and now you just don't care anymore. Yeah, I don't care. Now I want to eat Cheetos. <laughs> like you were eating like wild tweezer food as a child. Like what are we kind talking? of? Yeah, really. Yeah, he he was having was, the yeah. country pate as a youngster and things. I like kind of was eating crazy food as a kid. So you're so you said you had some family that were writing about food. I my my my, my mother was wrote about writes about food. Okay. Oh, she still and she still she still does. Oh, not so much as as she used to. She used to be a okay. critic. Now she like writes book reviews a little bit here and there. But okay, we would go to all kinds of crazy restaurants. So I had. And it was like a gimmick in her her articles that she had this like six year old son who was an, ex- an extremely over. Oh, that's talent. that's oh, that's very. She cool. had a that's little cool. young Sheldon with her, exactly. <laughs> Which I guess in retrospect is so unbelievably obnoxious, but at the time I didn't mind. You know? No, I no, mean, no. is the is the was this in New York? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So you that's like yeah. that's a, that's pretty cool. No, if I yeah. if I ever had a child, I would do the same thing. I would I would want to have this kid eat fucking sea urchin and shit. It would be. Sick. <laughs> were you wearing like funny clothes or did you look- I kind of was wearing funny clothes my parents would like torment me and put me in like a weird sailor's outfit and shit like this you know <laughs> I have a feeling you were Mr. and Mrs. Shulin's special little man weren't you <laughs> yeah definitely oh I mean that is that is something that because Jason's a, a big food guy his his palate is very developed but that that came to him on his own accord. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I always find it interesting when when people are. It's like when you have cool parents and then you have good music taste because they put you on. It's like you know that's cheating. 
to be honest. Like You're starting on third. Yeah, it's kind of cheating. I had to get it out the mud. You know, I didn't. I didn't have my parents handing me Rolling Stones LPs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But with with food, I feel like it, it's funny to be exhausted by the time you're 17. Palate fatigue before you graduated high school. Yeah. <laughs> did you? Did your mom? Did your mom have to keep her? She had to keep her identity a secret, though. Correct. She did. She okay. did. Damn, this is cool. And I would be like a. Uh, I feel like I would be a tell. I was good. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. I was like that. If you, how many other food critics have an obnoxious six year old in a sailor's outfit? Yeah, and it was part of it. it yeah, no. <laughs> I would love to be sitting across from a six year old you with the with the sports coat on, the bow tie, <laughs> yeah. take, taking a sip of the Sancerre and 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 <laughs> yeah. sending the bottle back after you smell the cork. Yeah, I'm just spitting it out all over the waiters. I won't be trying this one today. I mean, I I don't know what is the the, the standard for restaurant critics. You have to, you're very overweight. I don't know what it, what the like I know. What are the pitfalls of being a restaurant critic. Arcior maybe is worth worse for your health. Than yeah, health. that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worse for your health in different ways. I think the ways it's worse for an art dealer is more fun. Yeah, personally, I mean, I guess like, it's I don't a want to pay job. My mom's job was not very well paid, to be honest. No, 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 definitely not. I would rather be a food critic than an art critic. Just straight up. Okay. But um, but I, I worked as an art critic for a while before I, I mean, worked as a sort of... <laughs> generous <know. laughs> generous term? Generous term. You were paid, you were my, paid sometimes. I was remunerated in the uh, low three digits, you know, maybe <laughs> high two digits. <laughs> not high two, not high two. <laughs> you know, Art America would pay me $120 for a piece. I don't really understand the economics of this. I feel like if you're a staff writer, you know... It's a different scenario, but a freelance art critic is very hard. Love of the game. Love of the game. We have so many media people and writers on this program, and I dabble in that and have dabbled in it more in my life. And it's, it's, yeah, it, there's no money in it. It's actually incredible how little money there is in it. You just have the perks of, of free food, but you don't get free paintings as an art critic. But in, in the food criticism world, everyone is like so resistant to say, anything negative about a restaurant is that true i didn't know that yeah well i mean like the the anonymous critic is is pretty rare nowadays almost every food critic kind of has a public profile yeah um for the most part there's a few but people are very hesitant to write a negative review about a restaurant because it's so hard to run a business nowadays and the failure rate's so high it's sort of looked upon as uh, punching down or being cruel to someone you could ruin someone's whole life uh, is is it the same way in the art world? I, I mean, it's funny. I I saw you have Max Lakin on on the, the podcast yeah. a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Our shining star. He, yeah. he, he, he I, I like his reviews because like he, talking to Steve Harvey. He, he, <laughs> he says what he thinks. No. you know, yeah. he's a more honest critic than I. That I think that the state of criticism is is in the art world. I mean, now that I, I'm no longer doing it, it's sort of hard for me to to tell. But I personally have a lot of problems with a lot of the early reviews that I wrote because I was so connected socially to everything that I was writing about, but it was really hard for me to say what I thought. Yeah, sure. Cause like I, w- I was like embedded yeah. in cut with the people that I was writing about. So I don't want to like, there's, there's a difference between reviewing as I think you're saying is similar with restaurants, reviewing a, a young artist for a show versus like something that's some, horrible show at house and worth or something like this you know there's like a different you know so like punching up versus punching down we had this discussion because we had the la times critic on this on the show yeah food not art uh, yeah food not art and uh that's kind of jason's whole like approach to life actually but i was just like i don't 
I don't think we have to be nice because restaurants had a tough time during COVID. Like if something's bad, you got to say it's bad. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that, I don't, I think that criticism should be more tough. I mean, I've done shows that like I would appreciate even hearing negative things about because it'd be helpful for me and helpful for the artist, you know? Yeah. You say that now, Alex. <laughs> well, but that's the problem. I mean, I think it's like, I think fandom has got, I mean, this is different obviously, but fandom has got so out of control that everything is just so positive because people don't want to get doxxed for saying like Taylor Swift's guitar was out of tune. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a different level, but like, I think it's just like, it's not worth it for most people. Find a way to make it worth it. I mean, it's interesting. It's like the marvelization of everything, right? Like galleries and artists, they have fans. They don't have, uh, it becomes like an intellectual property, like a franchise. People are like excited yeah. about the what they're engaging in. They're not critical of it. I think that's like something you see everywhere at the moment. Oh, I hate it. Well, people also just want to say life is so hard. Just let me have this. And I'm like, no, bro, I'm not going to let you have this. This shit is trash. I mean, also, if you think about historical art galleries, like it'd be weird as fuck to imagine people wearing merch like in the <laughs> 60s with art galleries names on it, or, you know, or like something like that. That's weird. No, that- or even artist names on it. It sounds like people wearing like a Monet t-shirt. It sounds weird, you know, but now that's pretty common. Yeah, no, you're right. How do you, how do you feel about that? I mean, it, the, the merchification of the art world. I mean, it's like this thing of everything becomes a lifestyle brand. You have to associate your identity with the stuff that you consume. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's like, that's like, I think pretty, that's a new, a new amplification of the art world that I think is, I mean, it's kind of interesting for me in my position because it, it presents like, I don't know, weird, interesting ways to engage with art that maybe people didn't used to. But then also I think it's problematic for just the culture in general. When are you yeah, going to yeah. open the, the Lomex nightclub, Lomex, <laughs> Lomex store next to the gallery, Gagosian style. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I need a Basquiat <laughs> candle. But bands have that too now, right? Like people make more money Bro, off I mean, the merch drop than they do off the music. Before Travis Scott was uh, held responsible for killing people, he was, yeah. he was, I mean, it would be a million dollars a day, you know, a million dollars. Really? There was, I think somebody told me he did 1.2 at, the Madison Square Garden show alone. God. Harry Styles just did, he did like a Harry's house pop-up in LA that was like near near our house. And I heard the line was just insane for three days straight. Yeah. People want these tangible goods, man. Yeah, I'm going to buy a $40 Harry Styles LP. I don't have a record player. I'll never open this, but like I want to I want to be a part of it and I need to buy this. We're getting dangerously close to an NFT conversation that I don't want to have. <laughs> don't worry, we won't. I mean, Please, no. I have a lot of fungible t-shirts in my closet right now. What do you Now, do you subscribe to the are you an all black gallerist type cat when it comes to the gear or are you exp- 100% stage blacks only? You're not expressing yourself through clothing and color no i mean i i mean i i have my my sartorial uh what is your uh, so what is your go-to what what are your go-tos i mean i only wear black clothes i only own black clothes it's like a you know it's a manifesto thing for myself in some capacity does it have a challenging taper on the trouser it it definitely (laughs) does have a challenging taper as i've gotten older i've had to make the taper slightly less challenging because Mm -hmm. i've noticed that you know the, the body has tendencies to expand in certain places that, wow. that my 21 year old self you're not, not a yoji yamamoto girl anymore <laughs> you've had to you've had to the margella had to be let out a little bit yeah a little bit oh it's all been it's been let out a little bit now is it is it a, <laughs> is, are you wearing a, a is it like a suiting or is it more casual i i find i'm not a blazers and sneakers kind of guy i'm not a fan of that the new balance sneakers don't exist in my wardrobe it's not it's not a thing for me okay fuck you all right come yeah. for me bitch. <laughs> i respect that this my podcast this is my podcast. No, I understand. I think that it. I think in your world, the 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 archetype, the look I'm, that I was joking about earlier is truly 
Every, it's crazy how how pre- yeah. how predominant it is. It, it's like actually insane. So for you to, to to askew that and go, you know, murdered out, much like my Escalade, I think that's a smart move. <laughs> I think that's a smart move for you. I mean, there's also the new the new uh, Galar's tendency, which is the goofy outfit, which I don't know if you've encountered much. Are we talking like a silly Marnie colorful thing, or or just like some insane, like you know, really over the top? almost borderline equestrian look you know that you i don't know if you've seen this at, at art fairs now there's like experimental yoji yamamoto pieces or rick owens sort mm. of like um okay undertaker sure you know right, right, right. it seems like a lot of these gallerists are either making a lot more money than we think they are or they're spending quite a lot of their income on clothing or yeah i mean they're they're probably spending something that's not income on their clothing you know mm. <laughs> like the, if you if you put if you put out if you average out um the wardrobe cost for a lot of young gallerists you'd be pretty shocked i would imagine and that is a write-off though isn't it uh, yeah it's not it's not <laughs> i've looked into it it is not a write-off sadly you look are there any it. cool write-offs that you do get as a as a gallerist basically all your food okay if you're eating with other which is pretty thanks to trump you know 100 write-off really for meals which is kind of unethical but it does exist we don't we're not concerned with ethics here so what are your what are your because tribeca is a known food desert yeah you know you got nobu you got chow you know unfortunately cafe clementine closed my go-to tribeca lunch spot and excellent sandwiches so what are you what are you doing over there man it's it's tough if you if you've been in between walker uh walker and corner walker broadway there's an excellent 7-eleven i don't know if you've if you've been there (laughs) That's my main my main culinary destination. Even so though. you're getting you're getting a large Fiji and a hot dog at 3 p.m. every day, and yeah, maybe pretty much. But replace the Fiji with a, either a large Diet Coke or maybe a Slurpee, something like this in this territory. Okay, so you weren't lying when you said Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. How many how many cigarettes do you smoke a day? I actually don't smoke, which is the one puzzling aspect of my intake. But you know, <laughs> what flavor is your is your vape? <laughs> I don't I don't vape either, but I will drink. You know. Three or four Diet Cokes in an afternoon. So you're like a hot, so, you're like a hot chick in like the nineties. Yeah, exactly. This is very cool. I have a you. Jill Sander wardrobe also. <laughs> so you're, you're wearing head to toe black Jill Sander. You're just slurping those Diet Cokes like there's nothing else in life. And I'm, I'm getting not just the regular uh, hot dog. <laughs> I'm getting like the massive, you know, one you have to pay fifty extra cents for that that they had out for like a week. Full, yeah. Get, you get the full size yeah. sedan. <laughs> okay. And when okay, a couple follow up <laughs> questions. Are you a Crunchy or a puff Cheetos girl, and do you keep it plain, or are you going flaming hot? I've I've dabbled with the spicy Cheetos, but as a Jew, it doesn't really suit my constitution. It, you know, it makes me it doesn't make me feel good. So I'm, I'm no more brother crunchy. <laughs> yeah, crunchy original, right? Yeah, the crunchy original, the king's flavor. And uh, follow up question: I haven't had a Cheeto. Do you drink, oh, the Cheetos—it's just pure MSG. <laughs> it's like a real hit. But the Diet Coke—I recently had a Diet Coke out of the bottle. I gotta say it was it was hitting a little differently, but I think the real way to drink a diet coke is can and straw. It's a big gulp scenario over here for the. Record. Oh, okay. So you do a fountain <laughs> fountain DC. Yeah. Yeah. How extensive is your diet coke addiction? How does it affect your migraines and night night terrors and things like that? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I I definitely have to have four or five you know coffees or diet cokes a day. 
So, Jesus. so you're you're able to interchange the coffee and the diet coke. Yeah. And are are, are you okay. making are you making just a cup of Joe or are you doing a pour over? Or are you hitting the local Starbucks? I feel like you're a Starbucks guy. I'm a Starbucks guy. Green Straw Mafia. <laughs> Green Straw Mafia represent. Do you have a fucked up Starbucks order? Give me your winter order and your summer order. I'll if like- the frappe- <laughs> the frappuccino is the constant, which I guess is fucked up. Yes, it is. Post, yes, know? it is. That's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> I like the sentence. The frappuccino. A frappuccino is the constant. That's just your normal. North Star, it's always there for you. Yes, it's it, uh, that's what's happening. And it tastes yummy. <laughs> Frappuccino is insane. Insane. <laughs> the venti frappuccino is the real mark of psychosis. You know, yeah, that's right. With whipped cream and caramel, it's 1,200 calories. I'm done for the day. We're in business. <laughs> <laughs> done for the day. Can I ask uh, just one more quick question? I don't want to pry, but if you're, you know, I don't know if you're in a relationship or if you're dating or not, but do you, if if dating, do you kind of you know, do you you play it cool or do you show this side of yourself? How far into the dates do you let them know? It's like you know, it may be out at month two, but I'll leave little notes to indicate, you know, some Starburst wrappers <laughs> around the house. You know? Right, right, right. An empty Cheetos box in the in the uh, you know in the mm, trash. Start can putting out a few signs, Just little little hints to cushion the blow, breadcrumbs, so they can't act like they didn't see this coming. No, that's actually something I've never had to consider, like what no. your partner is going to think about if you eat like a street rat. I mean, look, if I'm having pizza night, I'm only doing that alone, Jason. Are you having a supreme pizza night or just a regular one? It's <laughs> a good question. Usually it's more of an artisanal pie that features just a light burrata and maybe a, a little bit of basil on He's top. He's a margarita kind of guy. I'm a margarita guy, but I don't like to do that in front of my partner or even a friend. So there's no garlic dipping sauce with the crust in that situation. <laughs> no, 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 no. So Alex, Alex, you've mentioned Trump a few times. You clearly enjoy the, the culinary arts of Papa John based on your uh, your tells as we like to say I see um, I see a trend here and it's it's exciting and it's enticing to me I mean you can make of it what you would like I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I just the the fact that your eating habits are strictly a rebellion against your upbringing is is something that I love to see in an adult man and the yeah, it's, I mean it's it's the, the habits of a man child it's to be particular right the eating habits <laughs> I mean I think it's it's pretty endearing but I mean I think that like I think you need to you, you got to rein in a little bit because we're not getting any younger, big dog. No, that's, I'm not. I'm I'm in my mid thirties now, so I gotta I gotta get it under control. Yeah, you don't you don't strike me as a large lad though. I feel like you're. No, I'm not. I'm not. It's it's a. You're not yet. You know. You're not yet. <laughs> Look, I'm a recovering fatty, and I don't wish that on my enemies. But you still you still got a full head of hair, right? Yeah, I've got a full head of hair, and I'm I'm keeping the waistline the same as it's been. So. Oh, you're fine. If you got a full okay. look, if you got a full head of hair, and so that's fine. So you're you're clearly just gonna die from neurotic neurotic things like that. Won't be. <laughs> I mean, the counterside for me is uh, I don't eat very much. I just eat really really badly when I do. Okay, so you eat like shit, but uh-huh. once a day max. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, and do you carry around a water bottle that you take little sips from all day? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if there was like a sort of, you know, Kool-Aid powder scenario in the back pocket. <laughs> I keep the Gatorade pow- powder in my messenger bag on my stroll down to yeah, drive just, I just have a handful of it ready to go. I just reach in my pocket and throw it in there. So wa- so water drinking is not... Water isn't really on the menu, no. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I love it. Okay, I mean, Jason's on an anti-water thing right now because I'm a big water drinker. What are you replacing water with in your diet? 
Uh, great question. I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I get, I get the moisture and H two O I need from fruits and vegetables, but I, I, st- <laughs> okay. I still drink water, but I just, I only, ha- I, I separate the drinking time versus the not drinking time. I have a glass of water, I drink it, and then that's it. And then I have another glass of water when, uh, when I'm thirsty. You know, you don't have one of those like uh, water bottles with a timer on it that tells you when you have to drink it. So you're pretty far away from that. I'm I'm as far away from that as you could he's, be. I would say he's he never had one, but he's recovering from that kind of lifestyle, which I'm still deep, okay. deeply, deeply involved in. And Alex, we're okay with our our urine color currently. <laughs> I don't know if a dark yellow is that an acceptable urine color. <laughs> it's not it's not but if you're okay with it then we're okay with it that's kind of how this works if it doesn't hurt you're fine yeah it's fine you know if it doesn't hurt i mean (laughs) dark yellow alex thank you for uh taking the time to Uh, pod with us last minute we uh we appreciate that my friend yeah it's fun we appreciate it and the gallery uh what's what's up now what's coming i I, i'm in between shows but i'm gonna i'm putting up in uh two weeks like a kind of really old school new york Tons of people, sixty-person group show in the gallery, and then oh, wow. summertime kickoff kind of event. Summertime kickoff, yeah. All right, well, um, and we can find you. I'm sure we can find the gallery on Instagram and Twitter. And- yeah, and I'm on Walker Street most days. Come tap in on Walker Street. <laughs> in a Seven Eleven slurping out right around the street. Yeah, you know, the, the, the guy with the red mouth from the Slurpee—that's that's Alex. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you, you soon, bro. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye bye.